0: and welcome to She Started It, the podcast that explores female entrepreneurship through the eyes of an inspiring guest every week. I'm your host, Angelica Malin, editor-in-chief of About Time magazine and founder of the She Started It live festivals. From fashion to fitness, law to entrepreneurship, this series of She Started It will explore what it takes to be a female trailblazer today. Get ready to be totally inspired. Today's podcast has brought to you in partnership with Tide. Tide is the business current account designed to support small business owners like you. With no daunting paperwork and no monthly fees, you could open an account in minutes. They couldn't make it simpler, trusted by over 100,000 businesses. Download the Tide app to get started today. Jenny Afia helps the world's most successful people have more privacy and protect their reputations. She is the head of the legal team at Shillings and leads its entertainment practice. In addition to being ranked as a leader in her field in Chambers and Partners, the Spears 500 and Spears Reputation Management Index, Jenny was Spears's reputation and defamation lawyer of the year in 2015. Jenny is a member of the Children's Commissioner Task Force on Growing Up in the Digital Age and on the board of the Arts Depot, an award-winning arts centre in North London. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, You are Head of Legal at Shillings. Can you tell me a little bit about what that role entails? Thank you for having me. My
1: role as Head of Legal at Shillings entails um, leading the legal team, uh, which is made up of 20 lawyers, brilliant lawyers, and um, I'm in charge of their careers, uh, the work that they're doing. Individual cases obviously have different partners running them, but I suppose the team's overall performance is partially my responsibility.
0: And what did your journey look like to the role you're in now? What did that kind of career trajectory look like?
1: Well, I started in the city as a junior lawyer, lawyer doing corporate litigation, um, working with really nice people, and enjoying all the perks of being in the city, but not enjoying the underlying law. So everybody else would turn up to work with a copy of the FT tucked under their arm and I'd have Heat Magazine or OK or something, was just really interested in entertainment. Um, so a few years into my career, I switched um, into media law um, and thought I'd have more time, but be more interested in the subject actually um, the hours are a lot more demanding than mm-hmm. the city because you're always on call. And but I really just got my head down. Absolutely loved the area of law that I'm in now. Felt hugely privileged to be working in it. Just worked really hard. Followed my passion, and kind of career success has followed.
0: Mm, so just like following the passion. And was that transition in terms of the work quite different to the actual work you were doing on a day to day basis?
1: Yeah, the work was really different from being in the city. So um, I think the main difference is it's really personal. By definition, I'm a privacy lawyer. So I'm helping people with some of the most sensitive, troubling areas of mm. their lives. Um, and my cases, even when they go to litigation, are almost never about money. They're about hugely important issues. Mm. So you build these very... Um, intimate relationships with clients who never want to see you out of work you're not their friend um, but you're their trusted advisor and it very quickly becomes a personal relationship I think that's the main difference to the city.
0: So presumably there's quite a different skill set involved with being a privacy lawyer as opposed to perhaps a corporate lawyer can you tell me a bit about that?
1: I think there are different skills involved I actually recently did a counselling course uh, mainly to help me be a better lawyer with my clients and to use some of the skills that counselors have because you're dealing with clients at times of massive distress. Mm. Um, I think probably corporate law periods might be stressful but for a more prolonged time and um, there'll be more of a kind of corporate infrastructure there to help your clients. Whereas if um, if it's that someone's trying to invade their privacy, that's a very isolating experience for them often
0: you uh you're working in a fascinating period of change with privacy law. Can you tell me a bit about like what's changed in the world that you operate in? I think over the last
1: decade it's become harder to protect privacy so it used to be slightly poor my time, but it used to be that um if needs be, you would get an injunction, you would stop a newspaper from publishing private information you'd have it done by late on a Saturday night. you could go home, and that would be the end of the issue now um we all know privacy is much much harder to enforce so winning legally may only be one aspect of it mm. um so th- and also the ways that people's privacy can be invaded has massively changed so um take a topical issue at the moment the um holiday photos for example mm. um how easy it is for anyone to be snapped when they're just trying to have some private time on holiday um wasn't so much of an issue before whereas A decade ago, you would still have paparazzi going out with uh, long-range lenses trying to snap uh, famous people on the beach. But it would be a much bigger effort than just someone with a smartphone.
0: Mm. Do you think the the lines have blurred a lot because of social media in terms of privacy? Because I feel like we expect more almost from celebrities because people open themselves up so much because of social that we kind of feel like it's our right to see these intimate moments a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I think... We might demand more and think we're entitled to know more about individuals but I also think even with social media it's entirely possible for someone in the public eye to draw a line around their life and to work out what they want to be in the public domain and what they want to keep private and provided that they are consistent and stick to that. I think you can actually create an expectation of privacy still.
0: Do you have to work in a particular way when you're working with very highly successful people, um, often ones in the public eye? Yeah, I think when
1: you're working, you're lucky enough to be working with some of the world's most successful people, you just have to be totally on your game. Their time, like all of our time, but their time is extremely precious. So um, anything you are giving to them has to be uh, concise. Any advice you're giving... um, probably going to be just reading it on their phone Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah very conscious of how many demands there are on their time so i think there's an obligation to um be as efficient with them as possible and to understand the world that they're operating in so it might be that um, someone is filming all day and literally the, the 10 minutes they get Um, that's supposed to be their downtime. They're having to talk to you about a really stressful privacy issue. Mm. So I always try and be really respectful of that um, and then just know that these people uh, have not got to the position they're in without being super smart.
0: Mm, I'm very savvy. Um, How do you respond to those who suggest that celebrities forego their right to a private life?
1: I just, I hate the idea that just because you've achieved professional success you should in any way give up your right to a private life. I do accept there are celebrities who will have less of an expectation of privacy because the whole way they act is to, um, to seek exposure. And the law recognizes, and I agree, that those people have less of an expectation of privacy um, than other people. But people who are just really, really good at what they do, whether that's a really good author or a really good musician or a really good business person, I just think it's um, horrendous, the idea that because they're good at something and work really hard at it, that they have any less of an expectation of privacy than anybody else would.
0: Mm, Totally. It's interesting, though. I mean, I recently watched the Jade Goody um, documentary. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it, but she very much manipulated what we were seeing. And actually so much of it was set up. And I think perhaps sometimes we're a little bit cynical and we think that um, the things that we're seeing are perhaps for celebrity gain. And so we feel like we, we deserve to see everything the whole time and that celebrities aren't supposed to have a private life at all.
1: I think reality TV stars are a unique Mm. uh, section of public figures or people in the public eye because the reason they are famous is because they wanted to be famous. Mm. It's sort of being famous is the end game, whereas most of the people I work with are famous because of their talent. Mm. Um, So I think different expectations of privacy do come with those people. And I think Jade, maybe less so, but what are we like a decade on anyone going into reality tv now i think uh you can't go into that with your eyes closed you know what you're signing up for mm. and most of the people i imagine still want that that level of exposure and scrutiny and it will probably only last about six months anyway <laughs>
0: yeah totally So, I,
1: but i think they are i think reality tv stars are very different to sort of A-list entertainers
0: yeah. yeah definitely well there's almost this kind of Love Island effect in a way of people going in so open to the whole thing and then uh, a few months later it's just all fallen apart and they've just been overexposed I suppose yeah Um, can you tell me talk me through like the experience on a day to day of the job that you do so you kind of get a dreaded phone call late at night that you found out that one of your clients is going to be in the press or something like that what does that journey then look like and how do you handle it
1: well it's a dreaded phone call for my clients it's horrific I love it Um, The adrenaline kicks in. And even though I really feel for my clients and I want to help them, it's almost, but in a much less important way, it's like working in an emergency room. So when they receive a dreaded phone call, my adrenaline kicks in and I I love it. Um, At that moment, it's usually at the most antisocial time. And I had one last week where I was just about 10 minutes away, I thought, from getting my kids to sleep. Phone call comes in. I had to just shove them to one side, shove an iPad in front of their faces um, and just kick into gear, um, which entailed getting some colleagues around me to help, finding out the facts, speaking to the client who was very distressed, speaking to the newspaper's legal department um, and... Uh, just really pulling it all together to try to stop a story within a few hours which we did I mean it's a fantastic feeling Mm. Um, there's quite a lot of adrenaline afterwards and um, so it makes for a late night but it's really exciting
0: but you feel really like excited in the moment to actually be part of it I suppose
1: yeah it's brilliant being part of it and knowing that you've actually helped Mm. and um, you're on the right side this case it, there was no justification for invading this family member's privacy. would have been really distressing. The, the risk of it was very distressing. Um, and it's not always the case that you get a very clear result of, we've stopped this story. It's not, it's not as we were discussing earlier, it, it, you can never say it's completely gone away because mm. of social media and so on. But um, it's very, very satisfying to stop a story when you know you're in the right and to just um have a client who is in a better position because of your involvement
0: Mm. and what happens when you don't manage to stop it how do you then deal with that how do you feel
1: awful (laughs) um it's really it's really difficult um it's then about helping the client through the process most of the times it will end up being okay um but it's uh, it can feel horrendous at the time. It is horrendous at the time. Mm. I think those are the times where you really, you feel like you're in the trenches with your clients mm. and but you have to maintain objectivity. Mm. As so I said earlier, you're not their friend, you're their trusted advisor and you try to help them get through it
0: You said before about putting your kids to bed and then having to put them in front of an iPad. How do you juggle that balance with being a mother and and a really high-intensity job? Well,
1: I'm really lucky because I've got an amazing husband who um, is really, really involved in childcare and we always set out to be 50-50 in terms of how we brought up our children. Then I also get loads of support as well. So I've got a nanny and I've got lots of support around me. So I'm really lucky and very conscious that other people don't, necessarily have the same uh, support around them and then I think the other thing that helps is um, I'm not desperate to spend all my time with my children I love them more than anything in the world but um, I never feel guilty about going off to work because I love my job and it's really interesting Mm. and I I make sure that my kids know that that work's not a chore but it's something that I want to be doing for myself um, and we still have our, our own interests so I think I know other friends want to spend kind of all their time with their kids and that I'm sure makes it a lot harder, but I'm lucky that I love my job and especially because my kids are really young, I don't want to be spending all my time (laughs) playing on the floor with them anyway.
0: I think it's great to own that. It's great to say it and not to Mm. feel guilty about it. I think we need to kind of open sting with with stuff like that. I Um, think
1: lots of parents, maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of parents don't admit how boring it is having children and spending time with them. Maybe they don't find it boring, but I really do. And I don't think many people own up to that.
0: Yeah. Does your work have um, any kind of flexible policies? Um, are they good about like managing the two?
1: Well, we do agile working at Shillings, which means that we view work as an activity, not a place. So the theory is you can uh, work anywhere, anytime. And so we're very flexible in that sense. We're very inflexible, unflexible in the sense that we work in a crisis environment and what we do is entirely dictated by what clients need us to do. Mm-hmm. So um, we will drop everything um, if a client is is going through a crisis and needs us. So um, we recognize that's difficult for our staff working under that kind of pressure. Um, and we try and accommodate it by, as I say, agile working by encouraging people to enjoy the downtime moments we definitely don't have any a culture of presenteeism that you have to be seen to be in the office or we know that everyone works really really hard and we want to help people do that and also help people sort of switch off
0: Mm -hmm. today's podcast is brought to you in partnership with tide the uk's fastest growing business current account provider Feel confident in your first steps as a founder with smart financial tools and 24-7 in-app support. With easy invoicing and accounting integrations, Tide is an alternative to traditional banks for small businesses like yours. Spend less time on admin and more time on growing your business. Tide are also committed to helping women in business and are offering our listeners £50 pounds when you open a Tide account and deposit £50. Pounds. Just visit www.tide.co forward slash she started it to get started. If you're feeling inspired by this week's episode and are thinking of starting your own business, why not come along to the next She Started It Live in London? Taking place on the 13th and 14th of March 2020 at Crypt on the Green in Farringdon, this two-day flagship festival will give you all the advice and inspiration you need to supercharge your career with over 75 incredible speakers. Book on Eventbrite now by searching for She Started It Live and use the code It 10 for 10% off. Do you find it hard to switch off when you're in these high pressure environments with like loads of adrenaline and lots going on to then kind of switch back into a different mode? Do you find that sometimes difficult?
1: Yeah, can be really difficult to try to do, to be trying to, I mean, invariably it's it's during bath time that a new issue will arise for the next day's papers and it's really difficult trying to um, combine the two mm. and invariably it's it's my kids who get the less good client service from me at that point
0: yeah it's like two, two two jobs exactly yeah i interviewed sherry blair for um the first season of the podcast and she was talking about her early days of her career and being the only woman in the room often um could you talk to me about how you feel like the industry has evolved for women and any personal experiences of being a woman in in law i haven't really had
1: i must have had experience of it mm. but i've never been conscious of it really no i've always in my peer group when i started at in the city it was equal numbers of men and women. My partnership's got several other female partners. I've never felt it. I've I've only once ever been conscious of my gender in a meeting, not with a client, but with a third party lawyer who I was with a colleague who was a bit more junior than me, but looked older. And the lawyer we were meeting with assumed that this chap was the partner and I was the more junior lawyer. Mm. So, and he, his body language and everything was just turned in towards this guy and turned away from me. So I just, while he was talking, I just leant over and put my business card in front of him said, sorry, I forgot to give you this. And then he just, he physically shifted round and started addressing me as the more senior lawyer. So there was, that was one time I was aware of his uh, bias, Mm. but I quickly addressed it. And I really... I really haven't ever felt any um, any sort of victimization or, or any ever been conscious of it, really.
0: Really, well, that's fantastic.
1: I think, though, I am maybe slightly unusual. A colleague was saying it to me the other day that, um, and it's probably already come out in this discussion, I'm really good at promoting myself, mm. which is typically seen as quite a male trait. Mm. And I've seen it with uh, female colleagues I work with. That they are much more prone to pointing out their weaknesses and errors they've made than their male colleagues are, and for some reason I've never done that. Mm. So that might be a quite sort of stereotypically male trait, and maybe that's one reason why I've never experienced any form of discrimination. Mm. But I think as as women we need to be really well. Everybody needs to be really careful to um, do a good job on managing their own reputation
0: mm, fascinating I was going to ask if you felt like you knew where that had come from because as this is an advice podcast and lots of young women listen to it if they want to feel like a more sure sense of self do you, do you have any idea where that might have come from in you I don't know where the
1: instinct to show off has come from um, but I've just always had that but then the confidence point I think is something I've worked on when I was going for partnership um six or seven years ago one of the concerns about me was actually that I lacked confidence uh, my more senior colleagues thought at the time so it has been something I've worked on and sort of lack of confidence in my abilities as a lawyer so um I totally get we are not all born with it and Mm. I've I've worked on it and um the way I've got through it's a few things one kind of consciously not putting myself down in front of other people, even if I'm thinking it, never leading with my faults uh, mm. to colleagues. So that's one thing. Second thing, which sounds really shallow, but I've always, um, well, it's helped with my confidence to dress the part. So I, if I have a big meeting, part of my prep will normally involve a good blow dry. And I will make sure that I don't go into a meeting with chipped nails or clothes that have got stains on them. And it, it's not about wearing expensive clothes or any type being fashionable, but it's just about looking smart and feeling the part. And I do think that plays a big role on it in, in, in confidence. Mm. And then um, sometimes... I, I've got quite a lot of confidence from... Um, being quite real at work as well like I um, I often talk about my feelings and how I might feel about a business proposal or if you if you can just feel that you've been your true self at work and you don't have like a, a work persona and an out of work persona but just your whole kind of personality you bring it all to work and then you get accepted and then that makes you feel pretty good about yourself mm. so um, don't be afraid of showing your feelings
0: yeah rather than feeling like you're showing up with one part of you but not the whole thing or hiding kind of parts of how you're feeling about stuff i suppose yeah yeah and just going back to the clothes
1: thing i used to always feel like i had to dress in a very corporate suit Mm. and almost dress like a guy would dress you end up wearing like a suit jacket and suit trousers or even a skirt but a very one way but then i i got to a point where i realized i can be a bit more individual in my approach as long as i'm always smart um but you just don't feel you need to hide any part of yourself at work
0: have you seen any changes with the younger women coming up the ranks with how they kind of act and dress in the workplace
1: just been having a discussion about dress codes over lunch i think people are more casual in their the way they dress um but i imagine that people were saying that 10 years ago 15 years ago it's probably the kind of thing you just say when you get older there does seem to be a little bit of a um a bit more reticence to work really hard Mm. possibly but again that's probably just the kind of thing that older people always say about the next generation but um, I don't know if everyone is willing to put in the hard work nowadays massive generalisation no but I
0: think there's something in it I think I know just kind of anecdotally from my peers that a lot of people aren't as attracted to the corporate world because the rise of like entrepreneurship and working for yourself and a lot of people want to take a laptop and go to Bali and sit on the beach yeah. and, and run things in that way and actually I think for a lot of my friends the corporate world didn't appeal in the same way perhaps I think perhaps the nine to five has been a bit um, stigmatised
1: whereas in reality I'm sure the successful entrepreneurs are working harder than anyone
0: mm yeah definitely definitely well it looks really glossy but it's, it's mm. actually not um, well that's really useful all that stuff about confidence and, and not so when you say you don't um, you wouldn't talk down about yourself in front of someone are you not thinking those things or you just have learned not to say kind of negative things about yourself in front of like your colleagues or your clients
1: I'm always thinking them <laughs> and uh, like I'm always trying to be a better lawyer and uh, going over what I could have done better it's very rare no sorry it's not very rare it's um it's not every day i think i nailed that i did a really good job but i so i i'm quite internally critical and try and learn from it but yeah just don't talk about the failures
0: yeah so openly and what about mentorship um is it important in your profession have you felt like a mentor to, to young people coming through
1: i do officially mentor um people in uh both people at the firm and quite a, a number of women externally have approached me and asked me to mentor them which has been really great because they're really um really bright women who are just keeping me on my toes and I always learn something from the session with them I've never had an official mentor I've had some coaching um, and I have role models but I've never had a mentor personally
0: yeah you're a campaigner on the relationship between young people and social media Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: So I've worked a lot with uh, the Children's Commissioner, who is sort of like uh, Mary Poppins overseas uh, children's rights in England. And she's very interested in digital issues and what it's like growing up in today's digital age. So Shillings have done a few projects with her. One of them was rewriting Instagram's terms and conditions Mm -hmm. to make them accessible for young people. And then our most recent campaign has been drafting a model law, which would impose a duty of care on tech companies. So when children are using social media, we'd say the tech companies have a responsibility to try to make it safe for them. In the same way that if someone was building a playground, they would have to follow certain rules to ensure that it was safe we say it's not okay to just set up a social media site. No loads of children are using it mm. and then not put any safeguards in place to ensure it's safe.
0: Mm. And do you worry about these things? Like, do you worry about the the environment that these kids are growing up in?
1: Yeah, I think it's really difficult for children growing up with social media today. And I mean, we've all read the sort of, the horrid headlines about bullying and suicide and self-harm and all of those kind of really Big issues but just on a day-to-day level I worry what it's doing uh, for young people's brains and I worry about how I'm addicted to screens and mm. then how I see my children uh, modeling themselves on me and my husband and and yeah what's going to happen to all of our all of our children's brains um, growing up in this social media age.
0: What's your tech advice like is it Instagram?
1: I've come off social media for the last couple of months I've consciously uncoupled with it uh, to, because um, I just don't think it's doing me any good. But what I found is it's not even the platforms because I'm still touching my phone as much as ever. And I'm now going on LinkedIn more, which I'm really not interested in at all, but there's just this uh, desire to be looking at something on my phone. So um, so I'm trying, trying meditation now. I'm finding the Headspace app quite addictive. I'm sure it's designed that way. Um, I've got a few books I'm trying to read a little bit more of, mm. but I'm still picking up my phone just as much yeah. as um, when I was on social media.
0: Yeah, just lo- I will. I always delete my email at the end of the day, and then I re-download it in the morning, and I find that I'll still pick it up, and they'll be like, "Oh, there's nothing to check," and then I have to put it back down. But I'll do that a couple of times throughout the night, and you have to really unlearn these things. You delete each message, or um, you? No, I just delete my Gmail app. Wow. I know, but I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't have such a high pressure job, so it's fine you know it's lifestyle Nothing's but does that achieve anything for you well i don't check my email before bed which is the purpose okay yeah it works for me yeah that's great it's working at the moment we'll see some people have called for like a tech shabbat where you know you switch off for like a day how do you feel about that do you think you'd ever be able to just go phone free for a bit
1: i think it's an amazing idea and i would love to try it could you still photograph your kids um, and stuff or you would well I'm i not, guess you could get a camera i haven't
0: made it up myself so i don't yeah. know but i feel like yeah sure you can yeah you could get a
1: Polaroid. Get a Polaroid. I think it's an amazing idea. Um, I would be up for it. I would love to see if my husband could do it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it would be fantastic. It can't be good to always be on. Mm,
0: just constantly. But could you, with your job, would you be able to go, like, a day without tech? Uh, with a telephone,
1: yes, mm. I could. Um to always get a pager, go old, <laughs> old school. proper old school and a yeah. fax machine. Yeah, there we it'd, go. it'd be great. So but the thing is, clients always phone when there's an actual real issue anyway. Um, they're not going to just rely on email.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. They're going
1: to phone me. So provided I could answer a phone call. Yeah.
0: You could get like an old Nokia, like one that yeah. you could play Snake on.
1: I did for a while um, when my phone was broken and it was really relaxing. But um, clients can't WhatsApp you on it and they want to do that. Mm. So it becomes tricky. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Um, what's, what's next for you? What do you hope to achieve um, with your career for next?
1: I want, um, well, for myself, I want I want to keep becoming a better lawyer. I want to really be the kind of master in my field. I want to get uh, even more fantastic clients. For the firm, I want us to um, become a global brand. Um, and then kind of beyond that, I really, really want to see this new law come into effect so that tech companies mm. will legally owe a duty of care to internet users.
0: How far are you along with that with that journey and what's the likelihood of it happening? Well the
1: government adopted the suggestion that there be a duty of care. So the wording is being going through the process now then there will probably be pushback over it from the tech companies who obviously have a vested interest in there not being a law. Although, to be fair, several are like Facebook are now recognising that there should be legal uh, restrictions in place. Mm. So I can see it happening within the next few years. But um, the political agenda is quite crowded at the moment.
0: Mm. Yeah, this is true. Well, thank you so much for coming to chat to me. If people would like to find out more and to get in touch, how should they reach out to you?
1: My email is on the Shillings website, so I'd be really happy to uh, speak to anyone that way.
0: Fantastic. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review so more people can find the show. Until next time, keep dreaming and achieving.